I'm Viren Garrahy, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter to feeling laughed at, to the moment where if they didn't laugh, they'd cry. I was like, look, I just don't think this is going to work anymore. And he said, but Justine, without you, my dog is my only friend, right? <gasps> Heartbreak and stuff, right? Do you think that's bad? This is as true as the day is long. At that point, a car came up the road. No. And the dog ran out in front of the car. No. Yeah. Yeah. Comedian Justine Stafford is my guest this week. She talks to me about growing up in Knobber, County Meath, her struggles with her mental health, and how making memes got her her dream job. I hope you enjoy. Justine Stafford. Darren. Gary. You are extremely welcome <laughs> to the laughs of your life. Thank you so much for having me. Seriously, I am bloody honoured. Oh, stop it. Yeah, truly. So we met about a year, no, maybe two, nearly two, two years ago. I think it was yeah. April. Uh, wow, good memory. Yeah. I couldn't even place that now. I have a weird ability to remember like exact months and exact years what I was doing. It was April 2018, Justine. You know, I'm not going to beat about the bush. And uh, I flew down to Waterford IT. Yeah. Uh, I was doing a bit of spawn con, you mm-hmm. know yourself. Hashtag ad, hashtag make that dollar. And uh, it was with Cadbury's. A beautiful a fun brand. Yeah, it was great. And I remember this. I was saying to you, like, I was so excited because Waterford IT, I remember being down there for an activation before. And I just remember that they had a canteen just for curry like a separate canteen right and it was called the curry house and I was so excited that I was going down because they had three different types of curry and they started serving it from 9am and I was like there can't be a demand for anyone wanting curry for breakfast I was the only one first in the queue I had it before this whole thing started like that's the only reason I had a 21st because I wanted a week's supply of deli curry caterer curry that's the only reason I oh get so excited very very things I should why didn't do. you tell me about it on the day so I met you there <laughs> first impression really <laughs> yeah, that's what like, I'm going to start with I understand listen <laughs> bit of curry would, wouldn't do come here never mind this Cadbury thing I know where we need to be follow me so there was so what was the I can't remember what the bar was in because I've Oreo. actually done stuff with Cadbury since it was the Oreo selection Oreo. thing it was the machine that was it yeah. You could win like proper massive bars of Cadbury Oreo. Yeah. And it was like you had to hit it at the same time, two people. Yes. But then there was also prizes of like, was there like 500 euro? Yes, you could win proper cash as well. Like think about how much curry you could buy with that 500 euro. (laughs) That's all that was going through my mind. But we met at that. We were kind of just standing around because you were doing stuff for Joe and I was doing my own bits. So we met there and then we haven't really, I don't think we've crossed paths since, have we? No, I don't think so. Well, Well, look it. Today's the day. This is it. And you'll remember this date now in two years' time. You're oh, like, yeah, I yes. will. I feel like it was exactly the 20th of January. Okay, Justine Savory, let us kick off. Your first memory of laughter. Now, this one I was thinking about. And growing up, um, I just have one brother. And both of us, I had to just run this by him as well. I was like, do you remember this? And we talked at the weekend and just reminisced that our granddad... Like, he should have had a solo show, to be honest. Like, he used to do this thing at the table where he would take out his false teeth and he would just do, like, a dance in his mouth with the false teeth. And this cracked us up. This was a bloody, like, showstopper. This man should be on the stage. <laughs> he would do that and then he'd, he'd spice it up a bit and he used to put, like, 
tea leaves over his teeth. No. So you would think he'd have no teeth at all. And that, honestly, I think back, and I said to my brother at the weekend, he's like, oh my God, I remember that so vividly. (laughs) Like that was our weekly highlight was going to see him at the weekends being like, this is it. This is, it's gonna, it's gonna happen, isn't it? And he knew, he was playing to the crowd. He knew. He he knew. He knew. He knew. It was, yeah, it was foolproof. Yeah. Um, And tell me about childhood. So yeah, just one older brother, yeah. uh, Lorcan, and uh, we lived in, it's Nabber. It's uh, Nabber. Nabber, County Mead, so it is, <laughs> hey. So it's the middle of nowhere, uh, not really cultured, more agricultured. <laughs> I, I like that. describe it, yeah. <laughs> not a lot going on, um, but lived on a farm, so my dad's a farmer, and um, yeah, that was pretty much it. Uh, went to a primary school, very small and then secondary school was even very small as well so we were all like a little family did you get on well with Lorcan? ah we did yeah um we would just be making up our own games all the time like i was from a young age i got really into like videos and got a camcorder one christmas and i think i wrecked his head because i just constantly want to be like let's make a video and like there was one concept where it was just him in a sleeping bag pretending to be a caterpillar and this turned into a whole <laughs> series <laughs> Um, and then I used to enlist like our relatives and I did a, a video I made where it was a group of old people escaping from an old folks co- home called Away in a Home. <laughs> and it was all my grand aunts and grand uncles. And they didn't really have a choice. They couldn't turn me down, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, they have to do it. Yeah. They have to do it. Yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, it was always just making videos and taking the piss. When did you realise you were funny? Oh Jesus! I don't. I don't think I have. Really. Oh come on! Not oh at Justine, all. come no, off it. Come here now. When did you, you? When did you realize? Were you funny mm. in school, or did you make people laugh in school? No, I was very quiet in school. Um, very much a nerd in secondary school as well. Um, and it was only I used to do this thing I'd never tell people about. It. So I would do like YouTube videos, and I used to juggle. Uh, I still do, but I had this video. To describe my fashion sense, right, uh, I was a confused emo, I would describe <laughs> it as, who also wanted to be sporty. So I'd be wearing like, you know, Fila tracky bottoms and then randomly a Mickey Mouse t-shirt and it just, it didn't add up. Right. And uh, my teacher, I was a member in first year in secondary school, you know, so trying to fit in, trying to, yeah, you know, make out. friends, trying to not be weird. And the teacher just goes, Justine, I watched you on YouTube last night, right? <laughs> Now, that's a pretty daunting sentence from the get-go. <laughs> like, right, why were you Googling my name? A lot, a lot, a lot unanswered questions there. But the, I'll never forget the whole class turned their heads around <sighs> and looked at me. because feeling. Yeah, because my, my surname's Stafford, so I'm in the back of the class. And they're just like, what? And he put the video on. No! Oh, he put the video on in front of the whole class I was like oh he wants me to be bullied this is happening it's going to happen <laughs> he's setting up a bully he is, situation and that's, well that's what happened but, no uh, <laughs> yeah but name like, and shame <laughs> <laughs> no I uh, I did get not. I don't think it was because of that video but okay. um, yeah um, so I kind of tried to keep that s- separate and then people found the videos and uh, yeah um, yeah. So you're saying you got bullied. That might lead me nicely on to not nicely because it's not a nice thing, but you know what I mean? It's a good segue. Yeah. The first it. time you Love felt... segue. <laughs> <laughs> the first time you felt laughed at, Justine. Yes. So um, I was trying to pinpoint one particular moment for this, but it, it comes back to, right, my birthday's in January, right? So it's cold and you can never go outside. So what I date? never... Second. 
Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. See, We're just 18 days late. Yeah, but it's uh, 2nd January. If it was the 1st, you'd be delighted because, you know, yeah. it's the countdown every year, like 10, 9, happy <laughs> birthday. So it's the day after that. So it's the worst day of the year. It is no one, shit. Yeah, no one wants to go out anymore. They're doing the New Year's resolutions. It's honestly pretty shite. Right. The birthday is cool. Right. But um, we got over that as a child and <laughs> I wanted to go. There's this like, it used to be anyone from Navan or the surrounding area will remember the Giraffe Centre Adventure Centre in Navan shout out it's long gone now <laughs> the recession hit bad but it used to be where you could go and they're like indoor bouncy castles so like I was in love with that because I could never have the luxury of having a summer birthday where kids would have bouncy castles I yeah. couldn't do that Yeah. so we went there and it was like ball pits and that kind of thing and you could have a party there and they did like this one section just for parties so I brought all the kids in my class there and they film it and it's all filmed on this little CCTV camera watching on and they do like you remember kids birthdays it was yeah. like all the classics like Agadu yes do, do. yeah yeah so you do all those songs and then they have a table and you have your food. So the table was riveted into the ground. You couldn't move it. So I was sitting on the inside of the table and my friend Nicola was like, oh, come sit beside me. It's like, yeah, I'll just I'll just lower myself down and come over to you. So as I lowered down, I was uh, I was very overweight as a child. I got stuck in the table. Right. And I had literally invited a whole class to be like, come on, come all, see me make a show of myself. And literally all 10 of the kids at the table laughed. And not only that, it's all videoed for 20 minutes. I struggled where the two party directors who were probably like 12 years old in charge of this whole thing were like, this has never happened before. Of course it hasn't happened before. Why won't this ever happen? And they're trying to pull the table out. It's riveted into the ground. We're not moving it, guys. Everyone's looking at it. And I have the video now. No. Yeah. So every year, the only reason we still have a video player in our house is to watch this every year. My brother and I sit down. He's like, it's time. He'll come home at Christmas. He's like, you know what time it is? I'm like, I do, yeah. So as if, yeah, as if experience it for the first time. No, no, we relive this every single year as a reminder of. And how did you get out? They, so they give you a crown and a cape. (laughs) Were you wearing that? (laughs) Yeah. No. So they had to take off the crown, obviously, <laughs> but then they took off the cape and as they pulled off the cape, it eventually like kind of slid me away and I was freed from the table. It was like, given birth, this table gave birth to me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was, that was, um, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that was one moment I definitely felt laughter. So what age um, would you have been then? Uh, it would have been my 11th birthday. Okay. Mm. And then secondary school, did you find it hard? <laughs> yes, I yeah. did. Uh, because I went to such a small school and we were kind of all like like a little family. There was never this feeling of the outside world or anything being bad or the idea of being bullied. Now, mm. I, I did always feel different because I was a lot bigger. And I'll, I'll never forget like being 11 and my mom bought me clothes that was 12. And I was like, oh, I actually fit into clothes my size now. And then I realised she'd actually bought me a women's size 12. Okay. And I was like... I've, I always felt different but um, when we went into secondary school there was we all got split up into different classes so you had to try and make an impression and try and appear cool um, and I just struggled so much with that I felt so out of my depth and then I went to a mixed secondary school so I got teased a lot by boys being like oh, no one will ever fancy you and you're fat and that kind of thing um, so that was tough and 
I really, really struggled with that. And I, it was nothing I'd ever experienced before. Like the, we came from this such a safe primary school into this. I'd never had any experience of it. And did that last throughout school? Um, so that was in first year. And I ended up, because of the bullying, I ended up developing anorexia. And for the summer, I just remember it so vividly getting off the bus being like it's because I'm fat that they don't like me and if I was thin they would like me that's I just got that set in my head it's because I'm fat that's why they don't like me so I just stood off the bus one day being like I'm gonna lose weight and they'll like me and I spent that summer then I went from being 12 stone down to six and a half in a summer and I'll never forget the moment going back to school where it was just looks of people being horrified where I was expecting this is the moment that they're all going to change and they're going to like me. And it was complete horror of, oh my God, what happened there? Um, so, yeah. And did you, throughout that summer, how were your family? It was a weird time because my brother had gone to Zambia to volunteer and so he wasn't in the house and we'd also... It was back in the boom times, so the family decided to get an extension. As oh, most yeah. families as went, you did. yeah, as you did. We all parted. <laughs> so there, the attention was kind of taken off of me for that sense because it was focused on the house getting built and checking in with Lork and how was he getting on in Zambia. And it also had an excuse that our oven was taken out for the extension, so we didn't actually have an oven. Mm-hmm. So I got away with making excuses of, oh, I ate, but I didn't. And I would just then with like scrape crumbs onto plates and leave it saying I did eat and throw the food in the bin and so I kind of got away with it for a long time Um, and then it was one day that I was in the bathroom and my mother came in and saw me and broke down crying um, saying that I was a skeleton and I was in such denial that I didn't want to get help I, I really really did not want to get better and I still thought that I was so big um and I just thought they were going against me then because they brought me to the doctor and I got put in hospital um, in St. Pat's and I was fed through a tube then and I, I resisted it. So I just didn't want it and I felt like my own parents were against me and I felt so alone of like no one's on my side anymore. They don't see what I see. And yeah, it was, it's crazy thinking back to that. It seems so long ago now. And it's crazy to think of what I put myself through. Like, Every night I would get up in the middle of the night so they wouldn't know to go running and I'd run ice cold baths because I'd learned that that would burn calories trying to maintain body heat. And then it just kept progressing that it was just me then against everyone else that no one saw what I saw. And so when, did you go back to school that September then? To, yeah. Into second year? And I felt so unprepared for that. But my parents, from speaking to them since about it all, thought keeping me out of the routine would have been worse and I'd have more time alone to kind of ferment and it was more so they'd spoke to doctors about this is the best thing to do and I still struggle with how that was possible because I barely had the energy to get up every day. And was there a sense like at the start say when you started to lose weight was there a sense of kind of people around you going like you know your parents were they like this is you know this is good this is this is the thing so in the get-go that i think that's what spurred me on and people would compliment you 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 hear that you hear that you know you start to get the compliments and that becomes addictive that's it and you know be neighbors or friends and saying geez you're looking well and then it progressed into jesus if you lose any more weight we won't see you anymore and that then kind of got to me i I hate people then commenting even on my appearance at all and i just wanted no one to notice me anymore um 
and it did start like my mother and father were in the in the beginning like this is good because I was very much overweight mm-hmm. um, and then it just progressed and then I just was convinced that no one saw what I saw that they were all lying to me that I was too thin I didn't see that so yeah I'm not sure if your answer to this will be related to this but it might the moment when if you didn't laugh you'd cry it's not related to okay that. well that's nice yeah <laughs> it's pretty grim though so okay. I um it's completely unrelated so uh i remember i was seeing a guy and it was very innocent very innocent days and we used to meet up because i live in the middle of nowhere uh on this road and i'd come for cycles and he'd bring his dog and we'd go for a walk so innocent and lovely and there was one day where i was like ah i don't know he was moving to a different school and i was just thinking ahead being like this probably isn't going to work much longer is it so i was like do you know what it's probably best if i have that conversation and we we kick it now let let it go now (laughs) and um we met up anyway and he had the dog with him and i said look i just don't think this is going to work anymore how old are you now 14 okay. I would say right serious and, stuff uh, oh big deal big deal <laughs> EastEnders style and uh, I was like look I just don't think this is going to work anymore and he said but Justine without you my dog is my only friend right <gasps> heartbreaking stuff right do you think that's bad this is as true as the day is long at that point a car came up the road no and the dog ran out in front of the car no yeah yeah. And the dog no! yeah, was hit by the car. He starts screaming about the dog. The people on the street or in the car get out, pick up the dog, put him in the car and put him in the car and they all drive off to presumably, I hope, a vet. And I'm just stood on the street there being like, oh my God, I'm the worst person in the world. Oh <laughs> my! Yeah. Yeah, and do you know what? When I think about it now, I'm like, the question was, if I didn't laugh, I'd cry. I didn't laugh to be... <laughs> here at the time I do look back on it now and it's funny in fairness it's like, it is it is something you'd see in like I, I feel like that's something you'd see in Forgetting Sarah Marshall or a movie like that yeah where it's just like it can't get any shitter oh it can't but equally like people I tell they're like that's not real I'm like that is absolutely I can get you in him in here now and did to the tell dog you. survive now thank god <gasps> Thank God he did. Yay! So that's why you can laugh about it. But you didn't stay with with the guy? No, I did not. Absolutely. He had the dog. I was fine. He was like, okay, your dog is still your friend. We're grand. I'm I'm out of here. I actually (laughs) think that was meant to happen because because, like that was the saddest thing you could have possibly heard and it might have made you go, Oh, I need to stay with them. Oh my God, uh, that was it—the guilt. Oh, absolutely. But then, we'll be married now. Like, but then when the dog got hit, you were like, "Oh God, he's no one." And then the dog survives, and you're like, "He's grand." It's, fine. it's made him appreciate the dog more, if anything. Oh I my feel. God, but that was one moment. Like it was between that and then me and my friend one summer, it was during the recession. Um, both went to get jobs, and we couldn't get any jobs. So we're like, Do "You know what? We'll volunteer. This is this is our calling to volunteer." <laughs> and we applied to work with Chiline and got rejected <laughs> we were like we can't even get volunteer jobs you're trying, trying to help trying children to help and no we got rejected um, <laughs> now they subsequently let me back in after that I reapplied but my friend they were like we just feel like maybe you could still use maybe these kind of services and we're like oh my god we can't even get volunteer jobs we're like this is, what are we doing wrong it was oh my god yeah. that is 
yeah. madness. I mean, I could drug that job and someone's ringing up saying their dog just got hit by a car because, <laughs> exactly. the girl, you know, so maybe I wasn't a, ready. That would be that. a full circle moment. <laughs> I don't know if you'd have been prepared. I don't think so. I think it was for the best. So you were 14 at that stage. <laughs> oh, God, I love that. The seriousness yeah. of it. But so what year would you have been in then? <clears throat> Third year. And how were things with you health wise at that stage? Yeah, so I had gone back in second year and started to get better in terms of eating more and that actually leads to it's when you start to recover you notice things that you'd like malnourish your body and that my hair all started to fall out and I had to cut my hair short um so that was an added stress in second year feeling like I don't even look like me anymore Mm. and I started to get better though but I had developed such a thing with being a perfectionist and with the anorexia that like everything has to be to a T this is the amount of food I can eat and controlling and that's what it's all about really having control and so when I started eating more I could see that people were happy about that but I felt so out of control and it became a thing of I actually developed bulimia from it that I would throw up after meals because I didn't feel comfortable eating this much but I knew my family and everyone around me was happy to see me getting better Mm. but it wasn't something that I could deal with so this was the best case scenario that I could come up with that it's an in-between of they're happy yeah and I don't feel completely out of control with it yeah and that unfortunately has stayed with me for a long long time and it developed into I know it's the beginning of my experience with having depression and that kind of stayed with me all through school and I know I relapsed even in sixth year that I ended up back in hospital because I lost so much weight and it was the stress of leaving cert and the pressure that just really really brought me back down again but from second year onwards I did notice that I actively and maybe kids in the class were were aware as well to try and make more of an effort with me or something but Mm. I definitely came into myself and like I look back on those secondary school days and like especially fifth year and sixth year are some of the happiest times I've ever had really yeah like I think it was the thing of Narborough being such a small school. You got opportunities that in any other school you wouldn't. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't great at football, but because it was feck all girls, you were instantly on the team. I was like, <laughs> deadly. Oh, great. star player. But uh, then as well, it was the first time I got introduced to like doing music or musicals. And I was Rizzo then in Greece in fifth year. And that was the first time I'd ever wore makeup in my life. It yeah. was, you know, we all went through that awkward phase. And I'm so glad we did. I look back on pictures now. I've been like, Jesus, had I any eyebrows at all? <laughs> Like, we all have those good those Christ. Photos. But yeah, I'm so glad that I, I'm so glad that I stuck in Nabber because there was a point where I was going to move school and I'm so glad that I stayed there and had, have some of the best memories ever from school. And you mentioned earlier on, you, did you, did you say you were a bit of, ner- of a nerd? Absolutely. Yes, you did. Yeah. Um, and so were your studies affected? I think anorexia Venton probably helped them, helped me because I was such a perfectionist, perfectionist and obsessed with getting good grades yeah. and that um, I was always like, to the point that I look back and I'm like Jesus could you not have had a bit more crack I know, like every I know. night was studying and yeah. I just wanted to study and like I didn't drink until I was 18 because I was afraid it would kill brain cells <laughs> and I wouldn't do as well in the Lehman Cert that's the level of nerd yeah. I was and the course I did in college was film broadcast and it was 360 points and I got 560 in the Lehman Cert wow. and I was disappointed with that 
And so I was going to ask, were you happy? No, I was so disappointed with that. And I didn't even want to. The first day I did a leaving cert, I fecked up because I was that bollocks who always asked for more paper. Oh, God, I you did was, not. Yeah, I no. was that level of nerd. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were sounder than that. I Steve. wish I was. <laughs> and I let, you know, you always see her like that hand goes up and the whole class tries to be like, she's at it again. <laughs> it was always me. Um, but I remember doing English paper one and I didn't get to finish the paper because I ran out of time. And I was, I was, I'm not doing the rest of the evening, I'm done, I'm going to do it next year. Distraught. Uh, to the point that the principal had to ring my mother at home being like, uh, what's going on? And my mother be like, yeah, no, she's going to do it next year. She's just going to wait. It'll be fine. <laughs> and the principal was like, get in here tomorrow. Get the feck in here now. Um, so I went in the next day and I was still convinced I'm not doing it, not doing it. And one of the English teachers, I'd never even had him as a teacher, was like, just sit through the exam, just yeah. do it for me. And I was sitting there silently crying as they're handing oh. out the papers. And the, you know, the examiner was like, are you all right? I'm like, yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> but I wrote a big apology in my thing for paper one being like I'm so sorry I got my time management wrong and like I, I just wish I had I finished paper one on paper two like it makes no sense you didn't yeah and then I did all of paper two and got an A2 somehow you're joking <laughs> yeah uh, so like miracle really that oh they oh my god I don't know like it, I'm well, like, that was your level of oh, I have got to get this yeah Done. I felt so like I need to finish. I didn't get to finish it. I need to finish it. Regardless of whether they considered it or not, they could have accidentally been like, no, but I had to finish. I'd say your work was A1 material, but they just couldn't give you the A1. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe I think that's better because I'd feel shy if I got an A1 and I'm like, but I didn't even finish (laughs) paper one now. Come on. And also you go around bragging to everyone like, so look it, if you don't get paper one done. Yeah, exactly. Jot it down in paper two. Yeah. It just seems top tips for... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh I love it okay Justine your no laughing matter moment yes so I think that kind of links back yes. into everything in terms of I was thinking about this and I suppose anorexia was the start of my experience with mental health issues mm-hmm. and having bulimia and stuff as well um, has really caused a lot of damage to my to my health um, along the years but I think the no laughing matter moment was in college where I had my first um, real experience with depression and I was just going through a really, really bad time. And I started seeing the guy who um, I'd never really opened up to anyone about having any of these issues. And he's kind of the first person I'd opened up to about it that I was seeing. And I think it was just overwhelming for him. And I look back on it now and I'm like, I totally get it. That it was just so much to be thrown with information wise. Mm. And he kind of blanked me and, didn't respond and I was a bit taken aback by that I was like oh my god is no one going to accept the fact that I have these issues and this was at a time before we'd kind of opened up this conversation where it's okay to talk and it's okay to feel this way this was very much before that time where it was still a taboo and even I think back to being in secondary school me mentioning that I'd been in a mental health hospital you couldn't say that to people like that was that's the weirdo in the class you couldn't mention that Mm -hmm. and the bullying was that bad at that point. I was like, I'm not going to throw that into the mix. They're going to have a field day, you know. So when I think back to that now, I'm like, I can understand where he's coming from, but it kind of spiraled that I, you know, contacted him after that being like, I understand that this is too much, but you can just let me know. And he didn't respond to that. And things at home weren't great at the time either. And I ended up overdosing. And I really just kind of got into my head I'm like I'm never going to get better from any of these issues I've had them for years now 
no one's going to accept me the way I am, clearly, that I've opened up to someone and they don't understand. And, yeah, I, I overdosed and I I don't remember how I even got to the hospital. I know my cousin eventually found me and Gary's had to break down the door and I woke up in hospital. Um, and that was, that was my no laughing matter moment because it was my parents coming and trying to explain to them and I, I couldn't deal with the fact of having to tell them what happened and having to be in that scenario, you know, explain to your parents why you didn't want to live anymore um, was one of the toughest, toughest moments I've had. And to think of where I've come to now from that is... I, I just can't believe... I, I think back, I don't remember who that person was. I was going to say, does it feel like it a different person? It feels like a different person, yeah. And I know I've struggled since with mental health. I've had setbacks. But I don't think anything will ever come to what that moment was. I don't think I'll ever come to that, that point again. Um, it really was an eye-opener of that I needed help. And I'd kind of been putting it off for a long time, thinking I'm fine, I can get by this. And I've, that really wasn't. And what were the first steps? Like, you know, you say you were in hospital and explaining that to your parents. Like, say, what was the next day like? Yeah, so at that point I was just in hospital to be assessed because I was, you know, had overtaken a lot of medication and overdosed, whereby they hadn't dealt essentially with why that happened yet. Mm. So you're kind of referred to the psychiatric team in the hospital who then assess you. And then I went into St. Patrick's Mental Hospital in Dublin and got into a program there where you're kind of trained. This was early days as well with CBT, which yeah. was cognitive behavior therapy. And I started doing that there, which is trying to retrain your brain from the get-go of like, if you have a negative thought from the start to try and intervene at that point, to not let it spiral and get out of control. And it sounds simple, but it's when you're in a period of a crisis or something like that, it, it's it's very hard to convince yourself totally. to just go through that process. You just let it spiral. Yeah. So it's only through habit of repeatedly doing that that you can convince yourself to get out of that habit. Mm. And there's times even now where I know all these techniques and there's even times I still get so down that I'm like, I don't want to go through that. I just want to just be in this misery, which isn't I know. good. It you is. Know, you know, it's, it's a case of... Yeah, I have all the tools, but actually I don't want to just, I just don't yeah. want to get out of bed today. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's kind of being aware of that or f- being aware that these are things that can happen yeah. and that you can feel that way and that's okay. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, you know, I've, I I hear people talk about, you know, anxiety or depression or whatever. And it is sometimes you just need to let the wave hit you. Yeah. And mm. say, give me what, you, give me your best. Exactly. Uh, well, your worst, but give yeah. me, give me the, the, the worst you've got. And you just, and almost that kind of, um, disarms it a little bit totally maybe not maybe I'm totally wrong maybe you know no totally I think it's knowing that and knowing that this will happen and knowing that it will pass as well because there was one thing that when I was assessed by the team that they discovered that I was dealing with a thing called emotionally unstable personality disorder and that to be honest was one of the best things that ever happened to me getting that diagnosis because for so long I felt so I felt like there's something wrong with me that isn't there's no word to describe this. Like I've had depression, I, I've had an eating disorder. I know what that is, but the way I was feeling, like I couldn't deal with emotions. I would be really erratic with people and just experience. That I was like, I don't think there's a diagnosis for this. I'm the only person suffering from this. I don't think I can get better from this. Yeah. And to get that diagnosis, then I was like, this is the best thing that's happened to me. That I'm like, 
and I Google it, obviously, as we all do. Yeah. Wikipedia knows all the answers and every symptom I was like, oh my God, that's, that's me. What, that's me. And it, it, it actually made me feel so much better. I was like, I'm not the only one experiencing this. This is actually a thing and yeah. I know what can help it now. Yeah. And that was one of the best things. So like, some people were like, oh, you'd hate to get that diagnosis of you have this condition. I'm like, no, I was so happy to get that because yeah. I didn't feel like I'm the only person suffering from this right now. And so, so and so when was that? When was the diagnosis? So that was two, so two or three years ago because I kind of had an overdose back when I was in college and I had another incident and it was the most recent which was two years ago yeah that I got that diagnosis then and do you feel yeah I, you know the way you're saying that you got the diagnosis and it's you're yes I have I yeah I, I can there's a label I know labels are usually bad but actually it's a good label because you you kind of it explains things for you and how you you feel and so do you now go through life and go I don't necessarily know if I'll ever be like fully happy or yeah. fully you go I know I'm going to get bad yeah. spouts and good spouts and it's going to be up and down yeah. and once you, know, you accept that you can move forward absolutely that's totally where I'm at and even there's times where I sometimes forget the diagnosis and I'm like why am I feeling feeling this way and I'm like oh no that's, second. that's why and you have to be a bit sounder with yourself to be yeah. like look there's a reason you're feeling this way just take it easy you know this is why this is happening yeah. and you know the steps to do but I, I totally it's definitely helped me to be a bit more realistic with my expectations as well and mm. I've definitely said that and I think everyone life is never going to be completely all ups yeah. there's going to be downs as well and it's just being able to know that those downs are going to come and how to deal with them and yeah. know that there's a way to get through this and it's going to get better and there's times where I, even now I'm like go through things I'm like this is the worst thing that's ever happened mm. and I feel so down I'm like it's going to pass though and it does yeah, it, do, it, it always does, always does. Yeah. it really does and it's so easy that we hear that so often that maybe you become desensitised to it or don't yeah. believe it as much but it's so so true yeah. that it will always get better I read something recently I can't even remember where but you know all these January articles about kickstart mm-hmm. blah 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 and it was um it was just a simple thing of, you know, no one ever plans for the bad times. Like, do you take out your calendar and go, right, I'm going to feel a bit shit now on Thursday and I'm going to uh, not want to get out of bed now on Monday. Mm-hmm. No, you put, you put the good stuff and the stuff you're looking forward to in the diary. Yeah. The bad stuff is going to come. You just don't know when. And so once you know that and accept that, yeah, you can move along. You can probably counter, you know, you can put in Saturday morning. You're probably going to feel bad if you're out on the points all Friday night. You can <laughs> Sorry, probably, no, you can't schedule those yeah, ones. You can't, yeah. <laughs> Hung over, yeah. We'll write that one off. Instantly. Sorry, no, I was Netflix wrong there now. For the day, absolutely. No, you can schedule certain ones. Oh, I love that. Okay, uh, Justine, the person you always laugh with. So uh, Shane over there will know this man as well. Uh, Gary Carroll is his name, who I have the delight of sitting beside every day in work. Did I work with him, Shane, on the Big Mac thing? Probably, I yeah. did. Oh, he pr- yeah, he edited. Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, 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 I think I did. He's an absolute genius. So this man, I don't know if you've ever seen these videos on YouTube. Uh, Daniel O'Donnell flicking your bean. <laughs> he has, uh, you said that uh, way too. You didn't prep me. Your facial right. expression wasn't like an indication no, as to what was to come. <laughs> so it has um, has a million views now on YouTube. Oh, it's absolute gold. Where he's like dubbed over a YouTube video of Daniel, but like the, the lyrics are like, "I'll make you fucking wetter than a cup of tea." No. It's absolute gold. It. It's golden. Um, I did actually play it for my granny once and I think she disowned me and 
had to say the rosary a few days a few times oh that day but this man is a genius I remember my first day in Joe and he was sitting beside me and he was like right what do we take the piss out of today and I was like oh my god I can't believe this is my job and <laughs> that day what we did was we photoshopped the moustache off Marty Whelan right <laughs> Now that is a, a sight to behold. Can you picture that? So I don't want to. You don't want it. No, no, it'll, it'll ruin him for you. It'll ruin him. Yeah. But we put that up on site and people genuinely believed he'd shaved his moustache and they were like, I can't believe he did this. He, he doesn't look like himself at oh all. No, winning streak won't be the same. And we're like, I can't believe people actually believe this is real right now. It was... Oh my God. Just getting rid of the tummy tickler off his face. Can it I was, tell you a story about Martin Whelan? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Oh no, it's like the best Marty Whelan story ever. So I started in 2FM on the breakfast show and he's obviously on the breakfast show on Lyric FM. So yes. we're in the same building, Radio mm-hmm. Centre out in Donnerbrook. And I, it was my first week and I walked out to go to the water cooler. Oh my God. To, to get water. Oh my God. And uh, I went to reach for a cup and there were no cups. Next of all, the lift opens and Marty Whelan walks out holding cups. For the water cooler. And I was like, hello, Marty Whelan. He was like, hello there. Just having a cup, was he? I was like, what do you... And he was like, no, they were like, as in cups you yes. filled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was just like, here you go. And I was like, how did you know? I need? He was like, because I went to get water and there were no cups. So I got us cups. And I was like, oh, thanks. And oh, he was like, you have a good day. God. And he walked that away. Is... But it was like someone coming from heaven and coming out yeah. of the lift of heaven. That's incredible. Yeah, no, it was what great. What a man. It's one for the grandkids. It, absolutely. So sorry, Gary's the one you always have. Gary, yes. Now, my other friend from childhood, Brian Shanky, needs to get a shout out as well. I like that name. Uh, Brian Shanky. Uh, <laughs> we've been best friends since we were four and we were the two overweight kids all through primary school. I was overweight school. too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I know how it, I know I, how it felt. Yeah. <laughs> it was tough. Yeah. Um, but we always had each other's backs and I'll never forget a girl in our class turned to Brian one day because obviously when he, we were small he was very big Yeah. and she turned to him one day going ha you have boobs right and he turned back quick as lightning ha you don't <laughs> and it was oh! it was so beautiful the it, shade yeah oh the shade was thrown from Brian Shanky age 7 and at that point I was like we're going to be best friends for life I know it <laughs> I know it right now it was so beautiful <laughs> You. it was <laughs> class Absolute class. I'm going to use that. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh God, beautiful, like beautiful. I don't know how I could use that. As in, like, cause I'm supposed to have boobs, but I don't, I, I don't. I really don't have any. Like, I, I struggled even in secondary school because girls have been developing them, and I still had none. Oh and, like, God! Everyone was talking about stuffing tissues down your bra to make them bigger. <laughs> I didn't know you had to take them out of the fucking packet. I had two Kleenex packets down. Rubik's boobs, like going around. It was awful. Rubik's boobs. Like it was no wonder I was bullied. Seriously, <laughs> I just handed them out. Reasons to bully me. Like, oh, God. holy God, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so Gary and Brian. Gary and Brian. Uh, Justine, a time where you had the last laugh. So I think this kind of ties back in with everything. Of just feeling like I have never been good at making decisions. Right. Just like a cup of tea or a cup of coffee that is life or death to me like it's <laughs> awful I'm so bad at decisions and when I was doing the leaving cert it was vi- like I think they put too much pressure on kids anyway to oh, know yeah. what you're meant to do for the rest of your life mm. and I was constantly between doing media because I'd made videos and had a bit of expo- like experience in that and I was like this <laughs> on is your camcorder cram- on my camcorder right granny do it again action I forget I was actually doing a video and I was like okay go and my granny was like go where I was like no no like, like do the action <laughs> she was like right okay yeah let's do it again I was like go go fucking where I was like we just went through this but anyway so um, I kind of had media in my head and people 
at home never really understood that. I know my father, I don't know if it's the same with your dad, but he was always like, being a primary school teacher is a great job for a woman. <laughs> Pensional job, great, you love it, you know, the summer holidays to yourself. I don't know, I think it's a country thing that they love the idea of being or, a primary school teacher. Or working in the bank or nursing. Oh. Working bank nursing or civil mm. service, they're like, oh, mm. it's a great job. For I'm like, right, okay. Um, so they were kind of my options of doing media, the thing that I was like, I'm interested in, but everyone's like, there's no permanent job in that. There's no security. There's no pension, <laughs> God forbid. And doing primary school teaching. And I could not make up my mind. And I ended up putting, I changed the CEO 11 times on the day, the CAO. God, I always get those two mixed up. So I changed it 11 times on the day and it was between doing primary school teaching and media. And I stuck with media and then that was what was accepted. And I was like, no, made the wrong choice. And I wrote them a letter. You didn't. I did on a card of a sunflower. I was like, this will go in well with them. And I was like, come here, I made the wrong choice. Will you change it to primary school teaching? And they sent it back with a big rejected stamp on it. And I was like, I can't believe there's a stamp for that. It's like, where has that been all our lives just to have rejected oh on it? Um, so I got rejected, but I did a year of media. My parents were still always like, would you not do teaching? It'd be a great job. I was like, for Jesus sake. So I reapplied on the CAO because you can do that next year, but you don't have to pay your fees up until the 31st of October. Okay. So what I did was I got accepted into first year in primary school teaching and second year media. And I did both courses at the same time. So I was going from DIT over to Pats. And what? <laughs> I was lunacy. I wasn't well, obviously. But uh, I'd be going from one lecture in DIT on a bus then over to Pats. And Pats would be like, oh, so what? You just did leave and I'm like, no, I'm actually just coming from college. And they're like, what? And the people in second year were like, what are you doing? How is that even? See, I think there's probably a loophole. And if they found that out, they'd be like, ah, she's up to, yeah. Probably not really allowed to do it, but I did it anyway. Oh my God. Yeah, so it gave me a feeler of what doing teaching would have been like. And I'll tell you, it was a tough course. It was like 96 yeah. every day. Now, the one nice moment was your man who does the tape test was a lecturer in Pats. And I was like, no! I know that voice. You know, the commission was screwed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a lecturer in Pats. And that blew my mind. It was just hearing his voice. It was like, will I stay just for this alone? I've always wondered who he was. Ah, beautiful. But um, I... Again, this okay. is quid uh, class. Bloody class. Um, so I nearly stayed just for that. But I realised, no, I don't belong doing teaching. Yeah. And I stuck to the media. And it was... That was kind of the moment of like where I got the last laugh because people were like, oh, you won't make a career out of doing media. And I walked out of DIT and started doing an internship with F104. And then I started making memes and doing stuff in Photoshop. And that's how people in Joe saw my work and offered me a job there. And that's a full-time job I've had ever since. The so rest is history. Yeah. So how long have you been in Joe now? Three and a half years. I love it. Which is mental. It's hard to believe it's that long. Yeah. It is. It's, I mean, when you're sitting beside Gary and you're like, <laughs> one day phone shop, Marty Whelan, and then it's Daniel Don the next. Like, <laughs> do you remember he did that ad? It was the, the boiler. Yes. Yes. Right. So at the end, she like rolls down the blind. <laughs> yeah. And you see his shadow. We're like, geez, it would be great if we had him with his Mickey in his hand <laughs> behind the shadow. So like at any point, you could like walk past our screens, right? And we're there Googling dildos and things on the screen. And like people in work must be like, because we've had visitors in like from different companies that want to like do business with us. And they're walking past <laughs> our screens. And it's Marty Whelan with no mustache and dildos and silhouettes of... You know, and you're How like, did you this do is, it? Oh, we did. Yeah, did you no, put it out? No, we didn't. No, yeah, no, no I'm no. wondering. Yeah, we still yeah. have the video, but yeah. no, like that's. It, it's a funny when you show our boss the thing we do, and he's like, we can't ever use that. We're like, ah, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That seems fair. To be yeah, honest. but there's great crack in making it, and that just adds <laughs> to morale in the office. So it's Absolutely. all good. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Justine, are you ready for your quick fire round? Okay, let's do it. 
Okay. Oh. The actor or actress you always laugh at? Uh, it has to be Will Ferrell. Yeah, yeah. I just always find him hilarious. Legend. Really. Absolutely. Yeah. The movie you always laugh at? So, few contenders for this. It has to be The Room, though. Have you ever seen The Room? I've never seen uh, it. Now, not the Brie Larson one, because that's a sad... <laughs> yeah, no, that's really that's sad. Not, yeah, God. No, there's a funny cycle. The Room. Yes. Yeah. They use the same sex scene twice in the film. Like, like clip for clip. It's incredible. It is... the mo- like, I quote it so often. It's amazing. You need to watch it. It's As in amazingly bad. Amazingly bad, but that's why it's good. Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. love it so much. I actually, when I was in college, th- there was like a screening of it just oh, for the crack. Yeah. Like, you'd bring your nagging and, and, and watch it. Absolutely. I highly recommend bringing a nagging to cinema in general anyway. I'm always... It's either that or cans. Every <laughs> single time. But th- there's a thing where they meant to throw forks at the screen. Who? people like the room has a real cult following and there's for some oh, reason wow. at screenings they throw forks at okay, the screen wow. I don't know the meaning behind that okay. as to why but I'm gonna google that afterwards yeah, yeah something about that so, so that's yeah that's one that's one film yes now this is <laughs> second answer here alright it's not technically a film but if you put all of them together it would be the length of the film um, it's a series on YouTube called Soupy Norman no you're not allowed to answer the series okay go on <laughs> okay <laughs> So, you've never heard of it though, have you? No, no. never. Oh, you should totally because it's basically where Mario Rosenstock and Barry Murphy and a few started out. So they dubbed over this like Polish version of Fair City. Oh it's my incredible. God. Right? And they're doing all these accents. It's amazing. What's I can't. Soupy Norman. Soupy Norman is now about, yeah, I cannot recommend it enough. It I'm is. watch that later. Yeah, totally do. It, oh it, they're all on YouTube. Um, but it's it's where, it's interesting to see that it's where they started out. Mario yeah. Rosenstock and a few. Um, Again, it's the thing we watch after we watch um, me stuck behind a table for 20 minutes. <laughs> we then watch that all as a playlist every Christmas. That's my Christmas with my family oh every my year. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, the, the book, are you a reader? Yes. The book you've laughed out loud at. Okay, so there's one book. There's two serious books for us. I just finished Steve Martin's autobiography and it is brilliant. I would highly recommend it. Um, it I laughed out loud at it. Um, because it's just him going through his experience. Like he started out working in a joke shop and a magician, like doing magic tricks. And then his whole introduction into doing stand up and he's talking about bits that he used to do on stage. And it's honestly, I couldn't believe I was laughing out loud. It was it was brilliant. Um, there's another book by BJ Novak. Do you know, he, he stars in The Office. Okay. Um, I used to always fancy him. But he wrote a book. He went out with Mindy Calling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he wrote a book of short stories. They're incredible. Like, the first story is about how the tur- tortoise and the rabbit had... How the tortoise actually ru- run... Oh, my God, I can't talk. <laughs> won the race. Right. Um, and how it was a big rematch. And it, it's hilarious, all the short stories. But the one book that makes me laugh every time... I read it. It's a book. Uh, uh, my friend Brian, his 12th birthday, we went up to his room and it was me and Jamie Farley and we were sitting on his bed and we opened his drawer. Why were we in his room? I don't know. And this book came out in front of us called... Now, I don't know if you got one of these books, but my parents never dealt with the topic oh of sex right. very well. Right. So instead of doing that, they would give you a book. Right. And Brian's book that he got given was called Ready, Steady, Grow. <laughs> now... 
it is one of the best books I've ever read. Like we went through it and like I was learning things that I had never got the book at this point. <laughs> so this was all new information to me. And it was all cartoons of, you know, the time of the month and right. the sperm and he had a little cape on. It was incredible <laughs> stuff. Yeah. All these cartoons. And me and Jamie were like, Jesus, we're learning about our lives and our future here. And lo and behold, literally a month later, my mother rocked up into my room being like, Justine, have this book for you. If you have any questions, go to Google. Don't ask me. I don't want to deal with it. And it was Ready, Steady, Grow. And I have my own copy at home now. And it's honestly the pictures. It's incredible. The story. Can I meet up with you? We'll have a copy and read it. Let's. Honest to God. It's no, the cartoons. I'm like, lads, really? You're you're really going all (laughs) like they're all the sperm have capes on. And it's like him chatting to the ovaries. And like as if chatting her up being like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, is this really what you're telling us happens? It was Amazing. I hope that is what actually happens. Yeah. We have a little chat. Yeah. At the water cooler. It's like you and Marty Wheeling. Ah. Oh. Just having a cup. Oh, it's amazing. Okay. Oh. And finally, Justine. Oh. Your best or worst joke. Oh, God. Oh, God. I, I've, I've listened to so many of these on the podcast. I'm like, everyone's like, like groaning I'm like I love this joke so much <gasps> go you on know? Uh, no all the ones that I've heard I'm like I love them but, oh right um, all the ones you've heard okay okay yeah so no I'm just I don't know like I um, you always hear that when you tell kids you're like oh what um, what do you call an, a zoo with no animals go on a shit zoo you know that one it's <laughs> terrible but I won't I won't do that one <laughs> I did this one um, you were just testing the waters just there testing, okay yeah we're on that level okay good <laughs> No, this is terrible. I was like, um, my friend uh, brought me for brunch last week and uh, it was avocado toast. We had avocado toast and it was the first part of the brunch was it was on a boat. I got notion sickness. <laughs> yeah. Bloody notion sickness. That, I think, is the worst one we've ever had on the podcast. Excellent. And I would like to thank you. For oh, that. that means a lot. Justine, wow. it's been amazing. Dear, it's been a pleasure. Um, I can't so thank you enough. That was the worst joke, but also I feel, <laughs> I also feel you, you've you been the most open person on the podcast so far and I want to thank you for that. Thank you so much for having me. Seriously, I'm still in awe that I'm here. I can't believe it. Can't thank, believe you. thank you. Thank you for so sharing much. the last of your life. And I will bring in that book. Yay! Ready, steady, grow. Come on. <laughs> Let's go. Have a read. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to The Laughs of Your Life. I hope you enjoyed it. If there's anyone you'd like to hear from, get in touch. Tweet me at Theron Garrahy. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review and all those other things. This podcast is recorded in collaborative studios. (laughs) 